Hello and welcome to the Blank Game Week 8 Net That Hall special. I'm FPL Nima and I'm joined by my co-host at FPL Lens. We're going to be going through the seven fixtures that are still on in Game Week 8 today, looking at the captaincy metric, the FDRs, zonals, and we have some interesting uh, Chelsea analysis as well, thanks to Gabriel, who's um, reviewed some very good threads, which we'll give some shout-outs for later. But um, how, how are you doing, my friend? It's a very crazy few days since I last spoke to you, with obviously the passing of our monarch over here. Yes, the passing of your monarch. Um, to much of the world, it's... It's it's quite this. It's a fascination. I think uh, monarchies. It certainly is for me a cultural fascination, certainly. And um, people feel very strongly, and I understand kind of the strong emotions one way or another. So, but I got to say, I'm I'm bored. I'm ready for some more FPL. I was not ready for that little break, and <laughs> I want to just get right back into it. Excuse, excuse my uh, insensitivity, if that's what it is. But I do want to sink in FPL. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have FPL back. Um, it looks like. There's a lot of chips being used, which we were kind of mm. preempting last week in the wildcard looming episode. Um, but it looks like well and truly that plaster has been ripped off by many in the community, um, activating their wildcards. Well, those who are fortunate enough to still have one anyway. Um, I know there's a few who went a bit early and they, they are counting their misfortunes for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, you can understand why some people in certain situations would, would go early. Um, but yeah, and, and they certainly couldn't predict the the passing of of the queen or anything like that. But I will say it was always a risk to go to wildcard before the transfer window window closed and before we really truly have have seen all of the teams kind of come into themselves. So that, that risk didn't pay off for some, and it paid off for others if they selected certain players. So I think the Arsenal Brentford game staying on. Um is a big factor with most mm. people having maybe three or four players from that match. Um, that may have mm. saved a few who wildcarded earlier. Um, it's interesting. We talk about not being able to preempt, obviously, the passing of the Queen. And I would have said the same, but turns out on Twitter, and FPL Twitter especially, there was quite a few who say that, you know, they'd looked at the odds and the odds of someone who's 96 passing away within the next year is 30%. So although we think that's a very weird and alien thing to do, there are clearly corners of FPL Twitter that they'd even looked into that and they said, well, you should have known there was a one-third chance. And I think that's a bit fucking wild, to be honest with you. But like, I understand there's a risk of any early wildcard, generally speaking. Um, but the fact that they've gone and found those odds and said there was a 30% chance of someone at that age passing away within a year, um, I just thought that was wild. Uh, it shows you what happens when there's no FPL on eh? It's the dark recesses of the FPL community. It's like the FPL community dark web or something like that, going into to research kind of those stats as if as if a uh, a yearly a prediction a yearly prediction would be able to predict like dying the next day or anything like that. That's just darkness. So I'm gonna stay out of that. It one. is. Isn't it? So quick shout out to some of the guys who've tuned in as well. So Dreads here, one of the YouTube haulers, getting in early. Podner as well. Shout out to you, my friend. And we have my mate, Noski, the Matrix Avatar, who he was actually at the New York Fest all the way from Atlanta. And mm. I heard him asking a question to Mark Sovens on the uh, Always Cheating podcast upload of um, that session where they interviewed Mark. So thanks for tuning in, Noski. Um, he is also one of the leads for uh, the Atlanta FPL meet. So anyone based in Atlanta, do get in touch with the Matrix Avatar and there will be some FPL meetups this season. Was, was he the one that asked the question about is, is big at the back dead? Maybe, it, I'm not it, sure. I think it was in a previous episode, potentially, yeah. So he has tuned in, yeah. And 
good good friend of mine um so in terms of today i've obviously um unwillingly put harry kane on the slideshow today i've kind of done harland i've done salah i thought i had to give kane his option because if i can't put him on this week um with a juicy home fixture against leicester an opponent he loves mm-hmm. and a team that's very leaky at the back these days um i thought when else could i so i'll give him his day in the limelight but um We'll see what I think about Spurs assets. They're actually playing right now to timestamp this for the podcast episode. So anyone listening back, we are live in the middle of the first half of the uh, Tottenham Champions League game. So, yeah, well, let's kind of, without further ado, let's um, just go into a quick thank you to all the haulers. So, just uh, Can I uh, interrupt you really quickly? Because Dread, let's do a little sound check from our, from our resident musician here. Um, I, I guess I'm too loud or you're too... Or you're too soft i could put, put my gain up let's see if that helps so i've put my gain up a bit i don't know if i'll turn my gain in the comments if that's helped i'll turn my gain down a little bit and uh hopefully um well just just uh, keep letting us know dread if, if one's coming in if, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll regulate on our end um we don't have a, a sound engineer or an equalizer or anything like that so. give us give us a volume of like um how much out of 10 we both are and will then kind of go up and down based on that we'll play that game this episode here we go <laughs> sounds good um so super haulers big shout out to william frick daddy bot greenback golf sarah gatsby and fpl robbie and then the other haulers as well who've signed up so fpl dg boy Lindsay, davindra raj fpl casuals tom korush tursks Stuart fletcher kieran turner mr twister blonde Scotters M, Firetog, FPL Teacher, FPL Rubber Ducky, Oscar Arias, Doni FPL, FPL Mike Halpin, Sean Burke, Jack Daglish, Nehal Kulkani, Podner, FPL Craig, Dread FPL, Kevin Rose, FPL Safa, Akshay, and Dom Black Dragon. So big thank you to all of you for your support. Um, as always, if you want to help the channel, you can contribute for as little as kind of £2 a month, and you will get access to all the metrics a few days in advance as well as access to the Discord server where we are building a lovely little community with lots of uh, interesting stuff being shared from the net that whole team in advance as well as kind of regular Discord hangouts in the voice channels. So if you find today's episode helpful, if it helps you with your wildcard, if it helps you to avoid your wildcard, please do leave a like at the end and subscribe if you're new on our journey to 2.2k nearly subscribers. So I think aside from that, we will make our way through to the mini league update. So obviously nothing really changed. Everyone who didn't <laughs> make a transfer got a game week rank of one. And um, so we've got Shroot Farms is still number one. Brokeback Mount 10 is number two. And 1X is number three. Paul Clark with Clarky's upgrades is fourth. The Cafu Fighters, Craig Richards is fifth. So that's just a quick shout out. It's obviously not changed much from last week, but I think this week we will see some movement in the mini league. In terms of points as well, so top of the table is currently on 424 points. So let me know in the live chat comments how many points you guys are on, everyone. And it'd be interesting to compare what that looks like. I still feel like the points are very um, narrow. So when I had a look two weeks ago, I was 30 points away from top 3 million, but also 30 points away from top 10K. So I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure it's divided up the rank brackets too much yet. So the top of our mini league, Nima, is has 424 points. How, how far away are you? Where? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out now. So I am on 388. So okay. I am 34, 36 36. points behind him. And I'm 515k. Wow. 
But I think wow. those 36 points, he might be in the like top 50K, top 10K, who knows? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's still super tight and the ranks are irrelevant. They are, yeah, exactly. So on to the philosophy of the week. Um, Paul Mariner isn't here to get this philosophy lesson this time, <laughs> but hopefully when he watches back, he can learn a little bit about our friend Herman Hesse. Yes, Herman Hesse, and I think uh, Mariner would appreciate this quote. Um, Herman Hesse was a, a German-Swiss novelist and poet. Um, my favorite works of his are Damien and Siddhartha, really just incredible short books too. Um, so the FPL philosophy of the week for Game Week 8 uh, goes as follows. Chaos demands to be recognized and experienced before letting itself be converted into a new order. And I think this, this speaks to our relationship with chaos more than anything, because, I mean, obviously, chaos doesn't demand anything, right? But within us, within us, the way we process chaos, I think it does demand something. We need to accept it, embrace it, process it, see, see where chaos fits in our lives, and see it as an opportunity to come up with a new system or a new perspective or something like that. It's, it's a call to change. So that change is the new order. I think that we're, we spent the first like month of the season with not much to do. If you got, if you got, you know, that, cause the template was so strong and the template did so well. We didn't know what to do with our transfers. Um, FPL, FPL Sala was, you know, famous for not making a transfer for like the first four or five game weeks or something like that. And now, and now we're all scrambling. We want extra chips. We're, we're, we're smashing our chips. And so it's like, it's quite the opposite. So there's just uh, something to be learned from this transition period. I've, I've actually just, just on before we talk about this. So I've uh, put my gain up even more. I think you're, you're a 10 and I'm on a six on the scale. So I'm hoping okay. I've gone up to eight and maybe we can get you down to an eight. But um, I've, I've come down. I, hopefully that, that works out. Oh, know, a 10 yeah, is way too. Is yeah, that better? Yeah, that's much better. But okay. we'll let Gabe be our sound engineer. He's very good with this stuff. As you, a, you mean uh, Dread? <laughs> Not me. Yeah, like, no, no, we, need, we might need to get Dread on board as a sound engineer. Um, I know he likes to come and enjoy these things rather than be forced to do some work on the side like he's doing right now even some background music would be great that'd be awesome i wouldn't be averse to that um so yeah i think um you you're right i think everyone was so kind of bored of this season and people like abdul were kind of just burning transfers by the week um everyone was complaining that our teams were so similar and there was no transfers they wanted to make and suddenly this has happened three fixtures are gone all 10 got postponed last week and it sounds like for all intensive purposes, Arsenal versus City in Game Week 12 will probably also be postponed. So the chaos is real now. It, it is happening. And I think we were all questioning Liverpool assets. It was kind of unusual of them this season. You know, Trent and Salah weren't doing great. Robertson was getting hooked early. And there was a lot of talk of giving them this one fixture and seeing how they did. And this was kind of their audition before potentially selling them. With that fixture now out of the way, like obviously the Wolves game didn't happen. Then the Chelsea game got cancelled too. The following fixtures, there is Brighton, but there's also Arsenal and City. Um, so I just feel like people have now in this chaos just completely gone for the new order. Like I'm seeing wildcards without a single Liverpool asset. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing some teams maybe riding one Liverpool asset on the bench, whether that's Trent, Diaz or Salah. But that's about it. So we've kind of gone from a world of, Everyone has free Liverpool assets. We're debating who's the third best asset to have. And in the chaos of the fixture turn, we all kind of forgot the narrative we told ourselves, which was that, you know, Matip is back. Thiago is back. They're probably going to get better. They can't get worse than this. Uh, they got Arthur in midfield joining too. So 
all the holes in the team have been fixed. Jota's starting games now, potentially. He's in the rumoured lineups. Like, you know, everyone's ready. Darwin's back. So, like, I just think that when we come to game week nine after the international break and Liverpool play Brighton without a manager, people are going to question the kind of the exciting punts they went on in the middle of this chaos. Um, yeah. And I speak for myself too, because I sold Trent for Trippier overnight. So <laughs> we'll see what happens to this. But really, I do think a whole new kind of FPL meta has been made. And we, we were going to give these Liverpool players time. And with the fixtures gone and the chaos that ensued, we just forgotten that. And that narrative has been thrown in the bin and they're all being mass sold. Yeah, man. And we are going to look back on like... Wait a minute, what, what happened to all those lessons that we've learned over the past two, three, four years where these these players have been such stalwarts in, in, in our team? And at the same time, it's understandable because, sure, they may be getting healthy, but will they take will that take time? Will they take time to, to gel? And it's happening as their fixtures are are changing a little bit. So there's opportunity elsewhere, like in Trippier, for, for example, like, like you mentioned. Um, is Trent more attacking than Trippier? Does Trent take better free kicks than Trippier? I, I don't think so. So then, yeah, then you look, you look at the fixture. players back. You yeah. Question, um, if there was ever a time to go without, it's probably in this fixture run. Yeah, but that being said, I, I, I agree with you. I think you're right. I think we're all going to be rushing back to those assets in about three or four game weeks. I think especially if um, City doesn't play in game week 12, you know, who are people going to captain? It's not going to be Haaland. So... Are there going to be mass knee jerks back from the likes of Sun and KDB back to Salah and teams being ripped up, selling Cancelo for Trent like that week? Mm-hmm. So, well, what's the kind of plan there? The issue is from game week 13 on, City's fixtures are great too. So, it's kind of like we're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there. But I guess um, we have some time and also a very welcome international break to mm-hmm. mull over our thoughts. Um, hopefully, none of our key starters get injured. That's the one thing I will say about the wildcard is. Um, I don't like the idea of using it before an international break. Um, I get that people say the team they'll have in game week nine wildcard is similar. So why wait? And they might be priced out. I think being priced out is a logical reason. It still makes me uneasy. And um, I'll talk about what I'm going to do. But essentially, I'm probably not going to wildcard because I, I, I just don't like this idea of doing it right before an international break. And before you know it, I come back and I've got like five players out or something. It's I think- not for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it's more your people that are wildcarding are probably doing it almost out of necessity or at least a perceived necessity. Um, and but this is for me, it's not such a great week to wildcard because one, you have players like that. I know I want on my wildcard, like uh, like Wilfred Saha, for example, who have great run of fixtures coming up, but they don't play in game week eight. Right. And we haven't seen Chelsea under, under Potter yet. We haven't seen Brighton without Potter yet. So there's a lot of information that we still don't have, just like these last minute team changes that I'd like to get at least one data point, something to go into a wild card, um, with. So I, th- I just think that game week nine sets up better for that. Or, or even later, if you can, if you can hold it, but then you're, you're limiting the returns, the potential returns of the, the wild value card. will become less. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my worries is. I'm looking at maybe game with 12 or 13 and that only really gives me four to five weeks to benefit from the wild card. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do question if, I think if people are taking excessive hits now, I've seen people debating like minus 12 versus wild card. I think in that scenario, I would be wild carding. Um, if you can get there with free transfers, you can get to 10, 11 players with one minus four, perhaps that's okay. But overall, I think um, 
stuff like Zaha, that's a key one for me because their fixtures don't actually really turn good. He's got the blank and then he's got a pretty poor fixture after it. I think it might be Chelsea. And um, and then it's only game week 10 onwards when he really becomes like mm. almost like a permalock in my team as long as he's fit. Um, on the flip side, you've got players like Madison who people want for Leicester's great run, but he's got Tottenham this week away. So that kind of just leaves the West Ham mids. And, you know, everyone's excited about Bowen. Based on last season's performance, he's done nothing yet. He looks like he may be on penalties. That's a bonus for him. But again, it's like, you know, you could just do a free transfer Diaz to Bowen at the same price. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's wildcard worthy. So I think you really got to look at your team. For others, I think some people can feel the 11, but the 11 includes the likes of, say, Neko Williams, Andreas, Ward. Is making them twitchy. They don't consider that a good enough 11. And what I would say to that is you don't need to outscore the wildcarders this week. You need to outscore them this week plus the week you wildcard, which they're inevitably not going to wildcard that week. So it's not a one-week thing. And yes, like wildcarders, obviously people with chips will probably outscore those of us without chips this week. But by how much? Because if it ends up being 10 to 20 points, then I think I can make up more than that with a later wildcard, then that seems appealing, especially with the extra info from the Game Week 8 data point, as you're saying. Um, So I'm not against Game Week 9 wildcard, but it could be anywhere from 9 to 13 for me. And Mm. I just need to kind of think carefully about that because if it's in game week nine, I will take some pretty aggressive punt with my uh, transfer this week. Yeah, that, that's and then I'll walk on them out. And that's my plan. Is so. Um, so I'm I'm on that. It's, it's quite fun so far. Uh, I don't. We'll see if I take a hit this week though. So why don't we talk about Chelsea? Because I think he, their assets are quite key in the wildcard plans and the non-wildcard plans. So I've got James. I don't intend on selling him. I've obviously sold uh, Trent instead. I feel like. James's run of fixtures is far more appealing and we're hoping he might play right wing back um, with Fafana there. The fixtures are great. Um, there's actually many wildcards I've seen with both James and Fafana and they're both on the bench this week in the wildcard alongside someone like Zaha. So it'll be interesting to bring up the kind of the info you have now as well. Mm. So I'm just going to put this back up on screen. So this is like Potter molding Chelsea. Yeah, so uh, Potter molds Chelsea. Um, and, and for the record, I'm... I have James and Fofana nailed in all three of my wildcard drafts. So I, I just think I just think the value of Fofana under, under Potter is is too big to pass up at four point four million. Um, but let's yeah. So we have two two friends of ours in the FPL community that have written really fantastic threads on on Chelsea. Um, Zishan Syed uh, at Syed Zish. Um, on on Twitter, wrote a, a really good one. He's a City fan, if I'm not mistaken, and then and at uh, FPL underscore Gian Batra, who's been on the show. Uh, Gian is a Chelsea fan himself, so I wanted to go over kind of what their thoughts were because it's an interesting it's an interesting fit. I think I think Potter is actually a, obviously a, a perfect fit for for kind of the way Chelsea's built with that back three, um, but specifically, like I, I wanted to look into kind of. Who to who to look for specifically, and what certain players' roles are going to be. So I'll start with um, with um, Zishan Syed's uh, tweets here. His, his thread. He's he talks about Potter and um, how he expects his striker to do more than just score a goal. Um, how you know, and, and we've talked about how actually I think the only game Brighton hasn't won this season was a game that uh, Welbeck didn't start or something like that. Welbeck is so important to what, to what Brighton has been doing because of the way he presses and what he does off the ball. Actually, he's not really there to score goals at all. 
Um, and we see on the, on the right hand side of the image here, this is the predicted um, 11 from uh, Zishan Sayed. Uh, so this is his predicted 11, not necessarily the the 11 that will start. So he has Obama Yang at the at the nine. I don't see Obama Yang pressing the the way Potter would like him to press. But that being said, I don't think there's anybody. Uh, I don't think Chelsea have the player that can press in that way. So um, I mean, I bet they're looking now. They would love to have Richarlison right now, for example, um, because he provides that for for Spurs and he, he's in great form, playing really well. So I don't see that actually Potter's pressing from the front working as much which i think will limit the the kind of those quick counter-attacking opportunities that we see from the wingbacks that we've seen um even 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 from the 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 two and behind um the the striker which was uh which has been pascal gross uh where where mount is and he has mountain sterling right in behind and then kind of like the half spaces there behind obama yang um so that could work, but without that pressure, I think it's kind of it's a little bit of a wait and see in terms of that that front line. Um, he then goes on to say that the beneficiaries of that pressure are Potter's um, wide forwards and wingbacks. Now, Potter won't play with those wide forwards because of those wingbacks. He'll play with either or, so he'll probably, probably play with the two inside forwards as shown in the graphic here with Sterling and Mount. And then the wide, the wide players will be James and Chilwell, or it could be James and Kukureya. I just, I, I think... I don't think Chilwell has been benched. I just think Chilwell isn't really healthy enough to to start. So um, so that it'll probably be maybe a rotation of Chilwell and Thiago Silva at the back, um, and then Koulibaly shifting from center back to left center back, and Kukureya shifting from left center back to left wing back. Um, but you, you have to question. So I'm I'm quite high on on the Chelsea wing backs because of Pot Potter's system. We've seen how well Sully March and Leandro Trossard has done have have done, and how um, how involved they've been in the attack. Um, what I what I question is, will they be able to be involved without that pressure from the front? Um, and I think so, but I think I don't think it'll be as kind of like lightning quick as as it was with Brighton. I think Chelsea will have more of the ball and they'll have to kind of like work their way in, into opposing defenses. So it might take some time to come together. Um, so, to, but, but I think there's, you know, if, if, these, if Chelsea starts performing the way Brighton has performed, then then obviously the the, the sky's the limit for for these players. Um, he finishes up here he, uh, by talking about Mason Mount and how he'll he'll be in that in that Pascal Gross spot and and I think that that could be huge for Mount as long as Obama Yang is doing what he needs to do. Um, so I think Mason Mount could be a really strong option moving forward. Um, Sterling as well potentially because Sterling does know how to press. Um, but he backs off his pressure. He doesn't follow it uh, into the trap. Like they're using the sideline as a trap or using his other players to trap the players. He, he kind of backs off the pressure before that happens. So we'll, we'll see on that if, if, the, um, if the pressure off the ball and, and the counter press can sustain what, what Potter's trying to do. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what uh, Zishan Sayed had said so far, Nima? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, so I know obviously you talked about James and Fafana. Um... I do wonder if the system means that potentially Cucurella for a bit more money than Fofana is worth it. So that's going to be a tough one. I know a lot of people have been burnt by him at something like eight points in the last five games. But um, it's similar with me and Mount at the start of the season, right? Um, I feel like we have to kind of throw away what we know about all these assets. Um, 
and see how they do. Obviously, we're very fortunate in that they play in the Champions League, so we'll get to watch that fixture, see how Potter does after a few days in charge. Mm-hmm. He obviously didn't have to play last weekend, which is great for him. There was jokes being made that Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, and maybe even Moyes at West Ham, they are very happy with uh, no Premier League football for those two weeks because it, it essentially gives them a chance to for Potter to kind of instill his you know system into the team for Klopp to wait for his key players to come back from injury and for um, Moyes to just figure out what is going wrong. But um, yeah, I think for me, James is just someone I couldn't get rid of. He has like the kind of the ceilings that we see from him, Cancelo, Trent. At any given game, they're capable of like a goal, an assist and a clean sheet. So they can Mm. haul double digits and you never know when it's going to be. With James, I think what really appeals to me is he was pulling up great underlying numbers, even though he was playing as a right centre-back for many games. So if he does truly play as a right wing-back and in a system where he could be relied on much more to create, I'm quite excited by him, to be honest. I think he's quite a vi- valuable asset and quite vital at that price. Um, yeah. I don't know about a second Chelsea defender. I just feel like they've been so iffy. Maybe Potter can fix that. I do think when a new manager comes in, one of the first things they do is try to tighten up defence. It's something Arteta did when he came to Arsenal. It's something we've seen Ten Hogs try to do at United. Um, Normally, you want to make your team more difficult to beat and kind of goal scoring perhaps comes as a secondary, like creating and getting them to create within your system might not be the primary goal. So I think he will try to make them more difficult to beat. But because I'm not wildcarding, like I'll hold on to James, but I just can't see myself going for Fofana despite the value yet. Um, I, I do see the argument that for 0.4 million more than Neko, you get a top six defence instead of Forrest who look like one of the worst teams in the division. So there is definitely like a huge upside in that 0.4 million if you can spare it. So don't get me wrong on a wildcard, I'd probably move that way. But for now, as someone who might not wildcard for a few more weeks yet, I just feel fortunate that I can watch how this is all going to unfold. Um, and then Aubameyang, um, obviously his experience with Tuchel was very short-lived and lost in the whole of 59 minutes um, before he was subbed. So he's been reassured by the owners that he will be trusted, but I'm not sure if Potter will play him if he doesn't like do something. Um, so that's a wait and see for me. I would not be surprised to see Kai Havertz fight his way back in over Aubameyang. Um, he was very much a two-short signing. Um, and a final just bit of fun, which is, um, I, I can't believe the irony of it, but essentially, Tuchel told uh, Billy Gilmore that it would be great for him to go to Brighton and develop mm. as a young player under Potter. And the owners of Chelsea were telling Billy Gilmore on deadline day, like, oh, like, things can change fast. Like, you shouldn't go. And then he was pretty sure he would. And obviously, a few days later, um, here we are and, the coach he went to learn under is now at the team he left. So it's a bit of a shit show, if I'm honest with you. It's a real shit show. Yeah, well, shit like that happens. Uh, what are you going to do, Billy Gilmore? You've got to laugh, though, right? you got to laugh. Off. There's nothing you can do. But, I, but one thing, I, I think I think in, in Potter's system, I think James is an absolute must. Um, even, even if he plays centre-back, we saw Kukurella have, have good underlying numbers even when he played center back under Potter that left center back last season he had good good numbers progressive passes and passes into the box and stuff like that so so I think um 
whether I think James will play wing back, but if there's a chance that he doesn't, um, I, I think he's still a, a threat from from center back under Potter's system. And to your point, I think Kukureya as well, and, and the value of Kukureya compared to Fofana, I, I think is it's comparable since he will be playing wing back at least on occasion. But it's you know for me, I, I think Potter coming into to Chelsea, like I, I believe, uh, what I didn't put it here, but part of a. Uh, Gian's, Gian's thread was saying he talked about how the easiest thing to do when you come into a new team is organize them and get the defense solid and he thinks that's what Potter will do and, and a 4-4 uh, defender um, that could get some bonuses playing you know in a, in a top I don't, I don't know what they are right now top 4, top 6 kind of defense but well like within there I think it's just too, too good value to pass up and if I were to I don't mind doubling up at that budget option, but I wouldn't double up Kukureya and James. So since James is nailed for me, it's uh, Fofana's the easy pick between the two. But if you're just going to go with one Chelsea defender, and you're, I mean, I think it has to be James. I, I don't think I would go, I would do the budget Kukureya pick and miss out on that kind of upside. Yeah, um, no, no, I totally agree. I think that's fair. Um, I guess one thing to say about Fofana is he, he could be like this year's Ben White where he was like, he dropped in price. He was like 4.4 million. I, I got him on my wildcard in game of 28 and kind of held him till the end of the season. And you, you get a nice few kind of six points out of that, maybe a bonus here and there. Mm-hmm. We have a question um, in the chat, actually, just about Potter's system um, from Akib, who asks about what's Sterling potential. So I mm-hmm. think he may have tuned in just after you said that. But if you go back on the VOD, Akib, um, there was some talk about how Sterling is a uh, very smart in terms of dominating the half spaces and that you were kind of also saying that he also doesn't fall into that trap of going offside either. He's very good at timing when he runs. Yeah. I mean, he's been disciplined under Pep, right? So he, he does those things well. And one thing he does well, and, and now this is where I'll refer to uh, Gian Batra's uh, thread here. He talks about um, the, the counter press and how, uh, Potter likes likes to develop a, a strong counter press, and this is something that Chelsea can do very well. Um, so being developed under under Pep, Sterling is really understands how to do a counter press really well. Um, so he will fit Potter's system perfectly, and I think Mount has that understanding as well. But I keep, as as we were saying, if Obama Yang when when Welbeck didn't do that, or when Welbeck was not in the lineup for Brighton, the entire team suffered quite a bit. So. I don't. I don't think Obama Yang has that skill set, or or can even really get it. I don't think he has that drive or desire or knowledge to to counter press in the way that Potter does, in the way that Pep does. So that could just destabilize the whole thing. And then, and I don't think Kai Havertz has that skill set either. Um, he's more kind of like a sit in space and 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 read intention rather than push towards the ball and force it in a direction. So I, I think the the entire kind of Potter system is going to depend on. What he can get out of Obama Yang. Um, one other thing that uh, that Gian says here is uh, he 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 addresses the XG, whereas in years past Brighton have always underperformed their their XG, and he says that the just taking that system to Chelsea, Chelsea won't underperform that XG, um, and those kind of late runs from from Mount and from Sterling in the half spaces could be the difference here. Um, I don't. I don't disagree with that. I, I think. I think that's an astute observation. But again, I think so much is riding on on that nine that they don't really have. Yeah, no, all really fair points. I think let's um, 
move on to some of the data and um, the matchups as well as we're half an hour into the show now. So I've just put up the Game UK FDRs. Um, these are obviously just for this week. Um, there's also the zonals as well. So you can see immediately um, the pest matchup this week is uh, Gabriel Jesus centrally for Arsenal against Brentford. Um, I just thought I'd put that out there for all my wildcarders <laughs> selling my boy. Um I hope he comes back and gets a double digit haul and Isaac does nothing. Can we talk let can we talk about Arsenal? Well, I'm look who am I asking this question to? Like of course we're going to talk about Arsenal. So here's this is something, you know, just 3 weeks ago, right? Well, what was the narrative? Gabriel Jesus is an 8 million pound player is is an 11 million pound player and an 8 million pound asset. Now this week the people are selling him for Isaac. Like what the fuck? Like what happened? Like Isaac had one. Like Isaac had a good game for Newcastle. Don't get me wrong, but it was a good game. Like Jesus has been in this league for five years and won four Premier Leagues. Like, I, like I, I'm pretty confident that if I had the extra money, I'd still go him all day, every day. Um, I appreciate I... That if you're on a wild card, you want to make more moves to justify being on it. Right. <laughs> this would not be the week I would be selling him. Um, like I, I just honestly feel like this game is going to be pretty big um it is to the london derby although i know brentford's a bit out there um out on the outskirts of the motorways but um i, I honestly have really good uh, hopes for this now on the flip side the attacking fdr is a minus 0.8 so it's not ideal but i think part of that is being still heavily weighed against arsenal for their away form last year um i'm not sure the arsenal of this season is a negative uh, attack in any fixture like they're probably like top three for xg accumulation of all teams in the Prem this year, and um, there's very few teams creating as much as them. So I'm I'm very confident with him, to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't be selling him personally, like for a free transfer, especially like selling a player that plays. Like so, that was kind yeah. of the thing. Like, had he not had a fixture, it might have been easier to stomach selling him. But one thing I do want to say is, I'm excited to see what these look like for Arsenal attacking wise in the next three, because those are the ones that are meant to be very bad, but they're all at home. So the Liverpool and Spurs games are both at home. We then face Leeds away. And Man City would have been at home as well, but that looks like it's cancelled anyway. But um, but from my perspective, like I don't think people have been watching North London derbies if they think it's going to be like nil-nil. Um, it's going to be quite a high-scoring affair from my experiences over the years. And who better than Gabriel Jesus to make a statement in his first North London derby? Um, so again, like I see that Spurs game is very good from an attacking perspective, not so much for our defenders. I think if you had an Arsenal defender, yeah, probably sell them. But from an attacking point of view, um, one thing I will say is like, fair enough if you sell Jesus for a short-term punt and you look to get him back later. But um, Martinelli, if you're selling Martinelli, I don't know if I can help you here because like most of us got him at 6 million. He's 6.5 now. He, he's just like, I don't see any asset under 8 million as good as him personally. So I, I just don't see a world in which I would be selling him at this point, regardless of fixture. And his competition that everyone talked up of Smith Rowe, he, he's injured as always still now. So he, mm -hmm. he's ruled out of the next weekend's game again as well. So like, I don't see Smith Rowe anytime soon being able to do what Arteta wants from those wingers out of possession and, to press in that way. So that mm -hmm. kind of Martinelli Jesus chemistry and they're going to be assisting each other a hell of a lot more this season. And I I'm not one to kind of take a punt for the sake of selling them just because I'm on my God, but that's just kind of my two cents from a fan's perspective. It's obviously a bit biased too. Yeah. I mean, 
it is biased, obviously, but I, I think everyone's uh, used to that one, Nima. So, um, but I, I, I just think like, you know, we regarded him as a premium asset at 8 million just a few weeks ago. If that's the case, then these premium assets for, for cheap, these are gifts, right? Like, like Martinelli is a gift. Um, now I, I can understand like, uh, somebody's, uh, there's Andy Mack is asking, well, would you swap uh, Jesus for Mitrovic, um, with the upcoming fixtures? Um, yeah, I, I think, I think objectively speaking, Mitrovic is a better pick than Jesus, but then who do you have in that third spot? If it's Isak, then, then it's really, you're going Isak over Jesus instead of like Mitrovic That's and, the way and I see it. so yeah. if you've got Holland and you're going to have Mitrovic and then like a dead third striker or like a Solanke who's way cheaper than Jesus and Isak, then okay, fair play. But, um, like for me, like Mitrovic, he's big, but for me, I'm bringing him in for Archer. So I'm keeping Haaland and Jesus, and I'm bringing him in for my third dead striker. Um, yeah, I don't. But some people might be bringing like um, they they have like Kane, yeah, Kane Kane versus versus Jesus for you know for an what is it? It's like fifty percent more. Kane is like um, you know twelve million or you know eleven point seven now, something like that. For that much more, like is. Like is Kane even going to score more than Jesus? I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Even even with those fixtures, can they match each other? Sure, but why would you pay more? This these are like, I don't understand that extra investment um, when Jesus is already the premium. He's 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 a gift up there. So that's it's just it's just it's not for me. I'm I'm probably keeping Jesus for the long haul. I'll be keeping him at least now. But um, I think Mitrovic, from my perspective, he's like the most important striker this week. Yeah. He faces perhaps the worst defence in the league. And speaking of which, um, the FDR, again, because of Fulham's away fixtures, it shows it as like a negative 1.3 for attack, which I don't think it is um, necessarily. It does say centrally, though, that the zonals are 3.6. So that's one of the better ones this week after the likes of um, Leicester, Liverpool and Arsenal. So it mm. is up there, but... I think Kane for me, he, he's a big one. So he's also got a very good attacking FDR, to, you know, joint first. So you've got City at 3.7 attacking FDR, Spurs at 3.7. The difference though is that, you know, Spurs' central zone here is 3.7. Jesus is five. So although the fixture is better for Spurs because they're at home against the leaky defense, still centrally it's not enough to be better for Kane than it is for Jesus from a zonal perspective. Um, so, so I just think, it's one of those situations where if I was on a wild card or like I have an alternative, right? I could get like Sun and um Sun sorry, not so I could get Sun and Mitrovic or like KDB and Mitrovic this week, or I could actually go for like a Bowen and a Kane. And I thought about that for a while and I just decided I back Mitrovic in this fixture more than I personally pack Kane, regardless of the FDRs. Like so I, I will be going for Mitrovic and he's well rested. So I'm very excited by that tie. So I think if it's for Mitrovic, potentially, um, if you have a way to get back to Jesus once the fixtures get better, once the blank is done with Man City in game of 12, if mm. that blank happens, then I think that's fine. Um, he So Andy Max said he does have Tony. So again, see, that's difficult. Like if you're just on free transfers, which he is because he wildcarded in game of four, I wouldn't be selling a player who plays. So you can't really sell Tony for Mitrovic this week. It, equally, though, if he's selling Jesus for Mitrovic, well, Jesus plays too. So it's like, yeah. is there no one else that you can sell who doesn't play? Like, Adia, well, he, he has Holland, Jesus, and Tony, and they, they all play. So 
I just think it's very tough for me to stomach the idea of free transferring players who play unless you have 11 players before right. transfers. Yeah. Then you're fine-tuning, so that's fine. But um, in terms of just TSL, as you asked about would you sell for Kane, I think if on wildcard, like, yeah, that's fine. Like, if you, again, like, if you have a way to get back to the likes of maybe Salah, Trent, Jesus long-term, then I have absolutely no issue with selling them. I think Kane is very exciting. Um, you would hope he's the most nailed on in that attack, but we've been seeing that they now have four attackers, which they've never really had before. And so far, it's been Kulusevsky's been benched three games in a row. Richardson's forced his way in. Sun needs a goal to get going. If he scores a brace tonight, then you think he's going to start on the weekend. So it's like, is there a world in which Kane gets benched and like Richardson plays for him at all? I doubt it. So for me, kind of Sun, Kulusevsky, Richardson, they all carry a certain rotation risk that wasn't there in the Spurs attack before. So I do feel that Kane is the most nailed. And this fixture is very exciting. Um, so I think on a wild card, I can understand the appeal. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to claim a, a win here on on Richarlison because I, I took a lot of heat in preseason for for suggesting Richarlison's role and that he's going to take time from Kulusevsky and he's going to take time time from Son. And I agree with you. It's like whether he takes time from Kane or not. I, I don't think it would be to start a game. If anything, it'll be to apply extra pressure from the front or something like that if they need something different in the game or if obviously if Kane's injured or needs a rest. Um, so they, yeah, that, that front four for, for Spurs that they rotate Richarlison in there is like, like I mentioned in preseason, is similar to Liverpool. How when they purchased, they had their front three and they bought Jota. And then Jota would rotate in everywhere except for Salah's spot. Salah was obviously nailed, but Jota would rotate at the 9 and at the 11. In this case, Richarlison will rotate on, on the wings instead of with, with Kane. And and while everybody was talking up Kulusevsky for burning first-time defender Gineppo in game week one, uh, since then he's kind of shown who he was in Italy. Um, that's, that's just like he can come up with moments of brilliance, and he's a young player with a lot of potential. But as a young player, he will be inconsistent. His technique is 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 imperfect, and and he he's gotten he got lucky with several assists last season. So, um, so yeah. And the other thing I, I'll mention about Kane is look at the headed matchup. It's the second best in the game week, just second to Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool's at three point five for the lead headed matchup, and and Spurs is at three point three. And I think I think that that speaks to a Kane game. So I, I do like Kane as a punt for this game week, but I don't like Kane's value moving forward. And that, that's the issue I have with, with, um, with, with that asset is that you can find similar production for uh, two-thirds of the price. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I think it is worth saying that if you... like People are debating that Kane isn't worth it because then it's two moves to get back to Salah in the future. But I would argue that it's two moves regardless because... If you buy De Bruyne or Son, unless you're leaving like a million in the bank and not spending it to strengthen your team, then it's still going to be two moves from one of them back to Salah too. Yeah. So I wouldn't not go for Kane on your wildcard solely because of this idea that Son is one move to Salah, whereas Kane is two. I think it's two moves regardless. You just plan for it and have two transfers for it when the time comes. Um, I think that's my view on that side of things. Um, just on Andy Max, so he has De Silva as one of his 11. Mm. and two free transfers so i think in that scenario i guess my question would be if you sold jesus for mitrovic who can the silver become 
like how much more are you getting from that money because mm. that's the solid like 1.2 million more maybe 1.3 million more um you know like it doesn't seem like you can get to paqueta so if you're buying like suchek i don't know like suchek and mitrovic the silver and jesus is kind of both are a bit subpar if you can squeeze up to at least like paqueta at 6 million then i'll be like okay that's pretty exciting but i don't know if you've got money in the bank um because obviously paqueta he's got some great fixtures ahead and he was a great player before he came and in the one match he started so far we couldn't really see his attacking position because it was a tough game whereas i think in the matches going forwards you're going to see a lot more of his creativity and his goal scoring abilities um so th- then i'd be like okay like the silver's pretty bad like we don't even know if he'll play so well, i wonder if you could get to san maximum see, that would that- be That, that would be, be a sexy pick. <laughs> that would be super right. <laughs> yes. And he doesn't have his act right, so that would be a way to get uh, yeah you get... that Newcastle attack against Bournemouth. Against Bournemouth, and you get your Mitrovic. Tell oh, us what that eight point one million, by the way. So it could actually be Bowen, which would be another oh. step up. It could be Madison. Um, so there's a few options here. Okay, I think with the upgrade money, it seems like you could do some good stuff as long as yeah. You... Have a way back to these assets in the future. So yes. let's just talk through some of the exciting matchups. And while we're here, mm-hmm. so we've already talked about City Wolves. Maybe we go in on them a bit. So yes, yeah, City Wolves um, joint best attack according to the FDR of three point seven. The Zonals match up on the on the wings, obviously four point one on the left and four point eight on the right. Who's going to play where is, uh, oh, sorry, wrong one. Sorry. Uh, 4.1 on the left and 4.3 on the right. And then a 2.7 headed matchup. So not much to speak of there, even though, um, even with, with all and leading the front there. I mean, the, the attack FDR is just a function of City's attack more so, I think, than Wolves defense. I think, I don't think Wolves have been super leaky at the back. Um, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think like, especially at Molyneux, Uh, Wolves are, are a bit of a bogey team for for City for some reason, or, or they, they have been. Um, I'm not sure if they have been under Bruno Lage as well, but um, I don't know. This fixture makes me a little bit nervous for some reason. I mean, it's you're not coming off your City assets. You're definitely getting on to them. But if you're looking, if you're comparing, say, people punting, getting Salah out, and they're either punting on De Bruyne or Son, which way would you lean there, Nima? See, this is my difficulty because um, I feel like if I was going to wildcard in game week nine, I'd probably go for Sun and just try to get this fixture and hope he plays himself into form in tonight's Champions League game. Mm-hmm. Equally, if he plays 90 and doesn't score, I worry about him starting on the weekend. <laughs> um, I never thought there'd be a day where I'd be more worried about Sun's rotation than De Bruyne's, considering he's a City player. But um, I feel like we need to see what happens with City tomorrow as well in the UCL. But De Bruyne is more of a long-term pick for me. So mm. if I got De Bruyne, I would happily keep him until that potential blank in game week 12. And that could be a week where I then do De Bruyne back to Salah. I could then, you know, wild card in game week 12 or 13. And so I could kind of sell City and Arsenal players in game week 12 if they blank and then wild card them back in again in game week 13. So that's where I'm leaning De Bruyne for now. Um, although, you know, Wolves away from home, a team who barely conceded goals this season versus a very leaky Leicester at home for Spurs. Sun is screaming out to me, and for the same reason Kane is too, but I just feel like Mitrovic can give me 
enough for the value he is from Kane's points and that having like a KDB and Mitrovic or a Son and Mitrovic, that's going to be better than having a Kane and um, Bowen, for instance. So that's kind of the dilemma I have. Like if I could get, if Kane was a midfielder, I'll pick him over to Brian obviously any day. Um, I think I want a piece of that Spurs attack, but is really Kane I want, not Son? That's the kind of that's the problem I've got here, and uh-huh. I'm not willing to move any forward to them. It, like it's, it's kind of like I feel like De Bruyne is the one I'm going to end up getting stuck with personally. But um, I think that's a good point. Like De Bruyne for yeah, a longer term, you're going to do it. Yeah, depends yeah. how long you need them for. Because if you're going to wild card nine, I don't think I'd go for De Bruyne in this matchup personally. Yeah, I'm going for Son, and I'm, I my plan is to wild card nine, and I'm going for Son. Yeah, so I think it really depends. Um, and I think that's the thing to bear in mind. Um, if you are not wildcarding this week, your transfers this week, you should make them after you know roughly when you're going to wildcard. Because if you kind of go for KDB, miss out on Sun this week, and then you end up wildcarding next week anyway, it's, it just feels like a bit meh. So mm. I'd, I'd want to attack it. I'd want to attack it this week. Um, yeah. In terms of Cancelo, obviously, he's still in most teams because the likes of Trent have made way instead. So I don't think that's really much of a debate there. He's pretty much the most nailed City defender, even if he's not necessarily been playing the same role or hauling as much. Um, he did in the Champions League last week, on the other hand, get mm-hmm. like a 15-pointer. So he's clearly possible any time. And I'm very happy holding on to him. I have no intention of selling him. Same. In terms of Spurs then, so obviously they have equal joint first attacking FDR 3.7. They have defensive FDR of 2.2, which is I think the best defense of the week, actually. Um interestingly enough hmm. after Newcastle at two so second best after Newcastle at 2.4 Perisic has started tonight he's another common topic any appetite for you there um do, do we think having had the break last week with an international break coming like it's a Tuesday match the next one's late on Saturday afternoon that's enough turnaround like could Perisic start ahead of Sessignon and is the attacking threat plus such a great defensive FDR a, a punt you would go for? Like, if you had James in, let's say, you're wildcarding next week, and would you do something like that? Like, James to Perisic, Trent to Perisic, if you've already got Newcastle defenders? Because for me, I feel like the priority is getting the Newcastle defenders. But if you've already got them because you've moved before, I feel like Perisic, if you've got any inkling he stars, he would be the one I go for to fill in that 11th slot on a free transfer. I... I think we need to put Perisic in a timeout and just like not talk about him, not bring him up again, uh, pretend he doesn't exist because he kind of doesn't. <laughs> He's not playing. People keep dreaming of this Perisic that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's like it's, we don't have this player. He's not there yet. <laughs> like potential, you, know, you meet somebody, it's like, oh, this person has a lot of potential. That's bullshit. There's no potential. This thing doesn't exist. It's just what you're dreaming somebody else would be if they were different. So I'd say we need to stop dreaming that Perisic is this is an, an FPL asset that he isn't yet. He might become that. But I, I think moving for a player like Perisic in a game week like this, given what we know, I, I think is absolute madness. If, if you're looking for that... Uh, that final transfer, I don't know, strengthen somewhere, strengthen where, where you know you're strengthening, not not on a dream of a player because of stats from other leagues or whatever, or because of one-headed assist with an XA of, of 0.0 to the minus 11 one. 
So um, no, I'd, I'd say no, not Perisic. So I know you want to put him in a box and not bring him up every week, but then we wouldn't have that wonderful segment of him being absolutely <laughs> slated um, if I didn't bring him up. So I'm glad I did. Um, I, I, I was expecting entertainment, but that was definitely one of the better weeks of talking about Perisic. I feel like it was kind of like straight murder. Um, so what about those who are wildcarding and going with him? Um, I definitely think that's a waste of a slot in the back line, if you ask me. Like, if I was wildcarding now, you've got the likes of kind of Trippier, James, Fafana, as we said. Maybe Emerson is a four million, or mm-hmm. you know that's another option there if you want to still go cheap. Um, I, I I just don't see it for me. Cancelo, as we said, that there is options. Um, something I've seen as well is some madness, genuine madness. If you ask me, is there are people with like Lucas Dean and in their like wild card draft? What do you have to say to those guys? Like, <laughs> I, I know the defensive FDR is a one this week against Southampton at home, and they have green fixtures on the FDR on the official site going forwards, but they had green fixtures to start the season, and don't know if they've kept the clean sheet yet. Yeah, I, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? It's a, it's a conflicting one, right? Uh, <laughs> there are some great comments here. Uh, Eero says uh, Perisic top three defender in the whole game. Uh, homeless guy says Perisic prime to get 19 points this week. And, and no doubt you're right. Uh, given my like, you say things like that, and things are gonna, um, things are gonna. He's going in most weeks, and he's been getting one or two pointers in those weeks. So you are due a bad one where the egg falls on your face. I, it's true, but here's here's what I'll say: is like top three defender in the whole game. I I'm, I'm gonna take your word for it. I haven't looked it up, but how many times have you actually? capitalized on those points and how many times have you gotten a one or something like that and missed out on points on more regular points that you could have had that would have added up to more than Perisic's points so it's I mean right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there right. he's 11th for points and maybe he's top three on skill if that's what you mean but on points he's a defender I think well, not as a defender he's 11th for points uh, there's two Wolves defenders ahead of him for points just for okay. context um and not only that, but of his 25 points so far, 12 of them, so nearly 50% of them, came in one home fixture against Wolves, a team and, that don't score. Um, and then w- you talked about what points do you miss by having him. So yeah. he got six points away at Forest. I had Gabriel play that week, um, and he got nine points. So, you know, like I didn't lose out. So I've had Perisic in my team, unlike you, but it was more of a flirt. It was James was ill. I sure. brought in Perisic for one week. He got one point, And then I sold him back for James, who again also did nothing himself. So I've used three transfers this season. One to buy James, one to sell James, <laughs> one to buy James. So I don't know. Like maybe don't take my advice. But Stick um, with James. <laughs> yeah, just keep James. So, so this, Eero, uh, this is just false. Perisic is not top three defender in the <laughs> Okay. He's, he's not now. even top 10. He's not even top 10. And in 50% of his games, he scored one point. So if that's what you want. In two games, yeah. Like, and one of them was half the points he has on the table. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not convinced. I think if you don't have Trippier, I would be going for him all day. Not only is the defensive yeah. FDR this fixture better, but their fixtures are great. And you're not going to be worrying about him being rotated every other week. So that's just my thoughts. But, um, Obviously, Andy Mack here is a Wolves fan as well. I forgot about that. So he's very happy to see two of the Wolves defenders in the top 10 for defenders points. Um, (laughs) 
So while we're just finishing up on Spurs, why don't we take Shaz B's question about is it worth getting Sun in for a minus four and then wildcard next week? So I think if the minus four is to fill the 11 players, um, Sun is a great punt for this just this one week if you're going to then wildcard next week. Um, that's kind of my two cents. Um, if you go back a bit on the video on demand once the stream is over, you'll be able to see us talk a little bit more about Sun as well. We gave some more details. I think Gabriel himself is actually buying Sun before wildcarding next week. Yeah, I most likely am. And and that that hit question is is one that I'm wrestling with this week because so I don't even know how to phrase the question. Because if, if you say, would you take a hit to move Sanchez to Pope? What would, how would you answer that? So I'm not doing that and I'm playing uh, Ward. Okay. Like, as in, like, I'm not even willing to take the hit then. So... <laughs> So, so would you take a hit to move Salah to Sun? Yeah, because I'd see that as a minus two, because you're going to get two points from him playing, hopefully, if you're sure Sun starts. Right. So as long as he plays, you've you're only on a minus two. Is that's the beauty of a blank game week? And um, same with Sanchez though, right? Moving Sanchez out. Well, no, because Ward will play for me, so he can also get two points, but he could get minus so, two. So it might he be could get minus two. And here's what, so um, I was listening to the FML FPL podcast and Walsh, and, and I don't, I, I've been wondering about this, and, and it, Walsh says that he predicts Everson to start. Because Ward has been so bad. He's been so atrocious that he says that he can't start anymore, and he wouldn't be surprised if Everson starts. The time is coming for Everson, I think. Um, but I would welcome that news. I'd rather play with 10 players and not risk the negative points from Ward. Like, if I could, like, someone sent me a screenshot and was like, um, they're, they're a bit of a casual, bless them. Um, they had Sanchez in their lineup and they were like, it's a good friend of mine. And he had Sanchez in his lineup and he had Ward on the bench and he goes, yeah, I'm going to keep Ward on the bench just in case. And I was like, bro, I wish it were like that. Like, he's going to sub on me if he plays. Like, that's not how it works. You can't just put fucking Ward on your bench and then like he doesn't come on because he was on your bench. If you if you don't have a goalkeeper, the guy is fucking subbing in. So mm-hmm. bless him for thinking that he could avoid the negative points. That <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. That, that was great entertainment for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Ward could be benched this week. If he is, thank God, I, I still wouldn't take the hit because let's say he doesn't play. That's zero points. Minus four. Okay. I get two points from my new goalkeeper playing. That's minus two. Pope gets a clean sheet. I've made two points gain. Gets a save point. I've made three points gain. Gets two bonus. I've made five points gain. It's kind of like, seems a lot for a goalkeeper risking. Like, I know the clean sheet odds are great for this game, but it just like triple has so many more routes to play. It's a long term pick, though, right? Pope would be a long term pick. And he's going to go up tonight. It would be a long term pick, but it's just like, I would be still comfortable playing Ward because I just feel like mm. surely there's other players I could sell. Like Diaz to Bowen, like I see more upside there. Um, Trent to Trippier, I see mm-hmm. more upside there. Like there's just so many routes to points in the attacking yeah. positions. I, I just don't like, I don't personally like that. Like if you're going to wild card next week anyway, just buy Pope for 0.1 million more. Yeah. And so my, my situation, I have three wildcard drafts and they're all at even money. So, so if I don't get Pope, then I'll be priced out of all three drafts. There'll always be a cheaper asset. I know. There's always that's the, we get stuck on these like visions yeah. 
what we want and we have to be more adaptable i agree so andy is much more hit friendly and for anyone who plays like andy which is a great way to play which is far looser than i play but he has great success with this is he says pope has bournemouth fulham and brentford in the next three yes. easily worth the hit so you know if i don't wildcard next week which i'm probably not i do probably need a goalkeeper for the next three so if i was a bit more brave like him i would just be like oh okay fuck it like I'm already on minus four. Let's just make it minus eight. Right. Sadly, I just can't play that way. Well, thankfully, um, Andy, I can play that way. So I'm going to do this right now. So he's going to do it on the street. Right now, he's going to make street. sure he doesn't miss the bloody price rise. Yep, because I will forget later because I have to get the kids and they have like after school stuff and soccer practice and all that stuff. Pope out, Sanchez in. I'm and Sanchez today. out confirm transfer there we go now now that i've done that that was my second free transfer so now if i want to take a hit the hit is salah to sun and i think that's worth the hit and i won't even think about the the, the goalkeeper transfer that i just made so power to the pope andy <laughs> i think um in terms of so we talked about city spurs arsenal I'm just thinking who else has a fixture this week that's worth discussing. So I guess there's the West Ham lads against Everton that they're worth conversation. Forest Fulham, I don't think that's much of a conversation. Most people have Neko and Andreas and are playing both. Um, the one thing I will say is this could be a crazy game. This is a, a, a championship like scrapper. Um, this could just be total anarchy. It, it could be. Um and I'm going to have probably Mitrovic and Andreas in this game facing my Neko Williams. So, mm. I, again, hoping to avoid negative points there, just like with Ward. Yeah, Here's what happens when you don't wildcard. You have suboptimal um, starting 11. But at least it's 11 of them, though. Um, in terms of... So, yeah. So, I think this game, like, really, for me, is more about... One tip I would say is, I know seven games are meant to go ahead. But if the Friday night games lead to chaos and the Queen is being booed, and the police can't handle it. I would not be surprised if some more games get cancelled this weekend. So mm. I will be looking to put my vice captain on a Friday night game, just in case nothing else this weekend goes ahead. And with that in mind, Mitrovic in this matchup, for sure, that's me all over as my vice captain. So I think that's kind of my thoughts just on that game. Um, and then in terms of West Ham Everton, I do see a lot of upside in Bowen or Paqueta. I think they're both worthy picks on mm. wildcard. Um, I'd be going for one of the two at least, especially with Zaha having a blank and a tough fixture. I think you can wait for Zaha till game week 10 and Madison has Tottenham. Um, I think you can wait on those. I think Bowen would be the pick this week, Paqueta if you can't afford. The the thing with Emerson is he is 4 million and he will probably play wing back. But if they play a back four, Cresswell is back in training. And I, I do worry that he may not necessarily be the one who plays over Cresswell in a back four. So with Emerson, it's a bit more of a risk. Um, if you're willing to take it, that's fine. But if you can, on a wild card, get up to like Sufal, I'd be quite tempted by going for Sufal from West Ham mm. personally. And I think, you know, West Ham, you can see here on the zonals as well, um, the center is not great, but they have a four on the left and a 3.3 on the right. So I think the fullbacks, whether it's Sufal or Emerson, like they are both quite good picks this week, especially away to Everton, but I think also going forwards potentially. So, I really do like the look of them. So if you go if you go to fplreview.com, um, I've been there quite a bit recently looking at different wildcard drafts. 
and some of the the highest um, picks for defenders or like the, the highest ranked is uh, where I see it everywhere is Sufal. The the optimization models really just love Sufal in pretty much every wildcard draft. So I think that's a really interesting pick. And I mean, I'll be going against the data on on that one. I won't be bringing him in, but I, I'm really curious to see if he if he pans out like the uh, like analytics FC is predicting him to. I'll be really really intrigued by that one. See if he can get involved in the attack, especially if if the formation shifted a little bit. If Bowen is coming inside more and they're playing like a like a three at the back, and Bowen's come playing more up top with with Antonio, does that open up that right side there for for Sufal? Um, and that'll also determine whether whether Emerson is nailed or not. So that very interesting to see how West Ham kind of develop in the coming week or two. Yeah, no, that, that's some great points. Um, and I think yeah, he's definitely a statistics model favorite. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of just the only other tie that I think we've not touched on too much, but it's, it's a big one. And the, the reason we've not touched on it much is because in passing, we've basically said it's the best defense this week that you should be targeting. So Newcastle home to Bournemouth, um, two point seven for attack. It's actually third best after uh, Man City and Spurs is 3.7. And for defence, they're 2.4, which is the best defensive fixture this week. Um, so I definitely think the likes of Trippier and Pope, they're becoming massive. Like even last week, there was no fixture, right? And I remember looking at Trippier's live rank, uh, live ownership, sorry. And he was about 20, 25% EO, maybe less than that. And in the blank game week, he went up to 40% when I checked on live FPL without a game played. And he's, again, one of the most transferred in players this week. Mm-hmm. So God knows what he's going to be, but he's going to be over 50% EO Trippier on his own. So it's going to get to the point within a few weeks that if he performs against Bournemouth in one game after that, he, he's going to be up there like Cancelo, Trent James kind of ownership. And those with Pope are going to be the only ones benefiting from the clean sheet. So I, I definitely see that happening soon if Newcastle keep it tight like that. From an attacking point of view, we've, we've mentioned Isaac. I think he's a great punt for this week. Um, He's potentially better than Jesus this week, but I'm not convinced he's shown me enough long-term to want him long-term. Now, St. Maximan in midfield, slightly different position. I haven't got any news on him, Andy, about like where he's at yet. I know he shaved off all his hair, so let's hope it's not like Samson, but um, he's someone who I'd be very tempted by. He's he's ex-lively himself. Um, He probably takes that mantle over from both Lamperty and Ademar Traore. So he he is Mr. Lively wearing the Gucci headband and he's got to cover it up because the TV sponsors don't like it saying Gucci and all that. But um, he's just an exciting pick for me. Um, I really like him, but I keep an eye out for the presser on that one. Um, But yeah, I I, kind of can see a lot of wildcards with two or three Newcastle players, which is why, again, we didn't discuss them much. Like the fixtures kind of speak for themselves. They've been very solid under Howe and they've done great recruitment. So I don't know if there's anything you want to specifically add on those guys, but um, I just feel like they are a great team to invest in, especially in the defenders. Yeah, um, let's see. On those guys, no, I, I agree. I think uh, that the way to differentiate, I think Newcastle in the, in the coming month or so will become like the like um, like the city. In order to benefit from their defense, you have to have two of them. Everybody will own one. Everybody will own Trippier the way most people own Cancelo. Um, and the way to benefit is is with both. So I'm I'm happy with my with my live transfer bring in Pope having already had Trippier. Um, I think there are, there are some teams that are maybe not what we think they were. I think I think Everton is is maybe better than than we think they they were from the past or from, from last season, certainly. Um, so j- just teams to wa- watch out for. We see, 
I think West Ham are worse than they were last season, but I think they could be improving. We have to watch how they how they adapt with the new formation and the new fixtures. Um, actually, I'd like to give just to spend a moment on Southampton. I was going to say that's the only fixture that we've not gone into, and in yeah. one of the Friday night ones. So let's definitely give these guys some time because Southampton have impressed me here and there in spurts. Um, I did think Hassan Hutel would be one of the first managers sacked, but I, I've been corrected. He he does look to be getting some good stuff out of his team of late. Yeah, I agree with you, and and I hold my hand up to Hassan Hutel as well. I thought he'd be sacked after after game week after game week one. Watch it, watching how Southampton played and what he did with Gianepo. I thought for sure he was out, and I was dead wrong on Hassan Hutel, and I I should have showed him more respect and and trust because Gianepo has developed really well. He's developing a team that kind of they like each player knows their role, even though their role they're playing much differently than they played last season in terms of positioning and stuff like that. You have like the Armstrong's playing forward with Che Adams, and um, and you have midfielders playing defender, and and all sorts of things going on. You have, I, I believe, it's the youngest team in the Premier League. You have several teenagers in the starting eleven, and and they're not bad, and and they're getting better. I think they they could be approaching kind of like that mid-table status. We see their attack FDR at minus minus one, so it's it's not. It's not good, but it could be worse. It's somewhat neutral. And the defensive FDR against Villa, you know, even even away to Villa, um, is quite neutral. You, you'd expect it to be, you know, much more favorable towards a Villa attack, and it really isn't. Um, so I, I think Southampton is a team to watch, um, and some of those guys, especially when, when Lavia comes back, um, when he gets healthy, I, I think there could be some kind of cheap assets that could be useful in good fixtures. Yeah, no, totally. What about um, our good friend from Villa, who he Southampton faced this week, uh, Leon Bailey at four point seven million? Is he now four point eight million? Um, they got great fixtures. Is he an enabler on the wild card? Like, if you had a, <laughs> let's say you had two budget midfielders, you had Andreas and Bailey, um, so you could squeeze out more money in the rest of your team. Like, would that appeal to you? Like, I think I'd rather have Bailey as a kind of bench player than Neko Williams as it stands. But obviously, there's a big price difference. Sure. Um, but then, then you look at the, the replacement options as well. And, and like, there's nothing like Bailey is, again, it, it depends on your structure. Obviously, if you're going to play a three, four, three, then obviously Andreas is your fifth midfielder. Um, but if you, if you're playing a four, three, three, I think, I mean, which, which is what I'm looking to do because I think there's more value in that fourth defender than there is in the fourth midfielder, just from, from my perspective. And in that formation, I think Bailey's absolutely nailed. He's not left any of my drafts. I have Andreas and Bailey. And then a, a midfield three, like a, a premium, a semi-premium, and Zaha as, as a midfield three, something like that moving forward. So it could be I've, I've done different iterations with like a De Bruyne, um, Sterling, and Zaha, or De Bruyne, Bruno, and Zaha, and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, I think he's... I think he provides great value and you know, he's going to play against the back four and he won't play. He won't start against the back three and he will start against the back four. So he's quite predictable as well at that price. is just excellent value. Yeah, no, that's some good stuff. Um, I just thought I'd answer some of these questions while we're here and then we'll move on to the next section. So I think just Eero is talking about, um, so he's expecting Perisic to start 25 games and um, get 10 attacking returns. He, he does concede that maybe the assist was lucky, but, um, I'm kind of like, I, I guess, play devil's advocate here for you, Eero. So 
I bring up Perisic each week because he's someone who, like, I have him in my Champions League team tonight. As I say, I bought him when James was ill for a week. Um, I am chasing his hauls, but I just think it depends on how you want to play FPL. So if you're confident in predicting the weeks he's benched, so you're saying, obviously, like, there's predicted lineups from Paul O'Keefe. Um, if you're willing to bench him and play like Andreas because Fulham have good fixtures coming up in those games where we might not think he's starting, then, then I could totally buy your uh, reasoning there. Nothing wrong with that. I just think depends. Like some people want to play FPL where they've got like an asset that will always play. They've got nailed on expected minutes or whatever. Other people, they'll chase halls and there's nothing wrong with that. But it just means that with every kind of 12 pointer that he gets or 15 or 18 pointer, whatever it might be, there's going to be a lot of kind of like 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 18, 1, 1, 1, 1, 2, 18. Now, if you hold him during those halls and you start him in those weeks, fantastic. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the pick at all. Um, it's just thinking it's the way about you play who it. would you be missing. Yeah, like who are you missing instead of him? Also, Paul O'Keefe has been right generally, but two weeks in a row now he's got the front three wrong. So mm-hmm. he said Sun would be benched tonight. He wasn't. He said some other attacker would be benched last weekend before the Prem got postponed. They weren't. So, so far he's only been wrong on the attackers, but today he was actually wrong on one of the centre-backs as well. Lenglet didn't play. So, you know, it is just a predicted lineup from a journalist. Like, yes, he has some sources in the club, but there will come a week when he'll say he's starting and he doesn't. You play him and his one point of blocks Andreas is 10. Or vice versa. He'll say he's not starting in your bench, but he starts in Hall. So, it's still a predicted lineup. So, if you've got the confidence to combine his lineup with what you've seen, fair play. But like today in the Champions League, like I've been getting like some live updates. Um, the people who are looking to buy him, they're telling me he's not looked all that great. And they're wondering whether Sessegnon will play this weekend because he's not looked that great. So that's one thing to bear in mind. Um, but I really like him. I think at 5.5, he's pretty explosive. Um, just depends if you can stomach some of those weeks where it goes wrong, which is nothing wrong with that style of play. And I think you just have to play him all the time. If you have, if you own Perisic, you do, you just play him and you stomach the ones and you know that you're going to get the 15s and 18s as well, as long as you keep playing. Like I him. wouldn't bench him, right? It's so like one of his returns was an assist off the bench, I think, earlier this yeah. season. So he's the kind of player where like if he's coming on against tired opponents, I just love the positioning he takes up. So I think one of the things we spoke about a few weeks back was that something that maybe doesn't show necessarily always on the stats is he just seems to be there in the box waiting and whether people pass to him or not. Obviously, if they don't pass to him, no, no data is kind of accumulated for attacking returns underlying wise. But he is there in those positions, looming and waiting and lingering to get on the end of things. So I do like that. It is quite appealing. So no, nothing wrong with that. Um, in terms of yeah, Sun, I just really quickly, because you're, you're about to get to Sun. Sun was substituted 72nd minute. Uh, Kulusevsky just came on. That, yeah, that's exactly what I Where was you were going. <laughs> okay. So having seen him get his early stuff, he didn't get the goals I was hoping he would get so that he would be potentially like back in confidence before the weekend. But with a 72nd minute sub, you've got to think he's going to play. Um, Conte will want the 15 goal, 20 goal across all competitions sun back this year. And he's, I think, one of the players in the whole of Europe with the highest XG without a goal yet. So it is coming and the floodgates will open. Um, he's not just suddenly a bad player. So th- this could be the week for that one week punt, knowing he's been uh, rested a little bit tonight as well. But yeah, that, that's just my thoughts on Sun. And- Sun was not in the... I'm looking at the stats here from the game. He was not in the top 10, in the top 9 for XG. And the, the bottom, number 9, is Trinkau at 0.04 XG. So Sun was less than that. I don't know exactly what... Um, 
So he didn't take a shot. I've just had a look. He didn't take a shot. So I don't know, but he he did get a, a decent rating in the game. Um, and the, but just the fact that he was um, that he was subbed early, I think, gives us a good indication that he's likely to start in the weekend and will likely be my hit uh, Salada son for this week. My punt. Yeah. So to IBK's question, like I think if you're going to wild card next week, he's probably worth it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking long term, I'd maybe go De Bruyne. But for this week only, I think Son is definitely the pick. Um, really excited by him. Let's go on to the long range. So for the wild carders, this should be quite helpful. We won't spend too long here, but um, generally, you just want to look at looking from nine to twelve, and then thirteen to sixteen. So nine to twelve, obviously, Arsenal's defense is only minus one point two, so there is a big difference there. Um, it improves significantly from thirteen to sixteen to 4.6 so that's nearly like a 5.8 swing um so yeah me personally like i'm looking to get rid of gabriel as soon as i can um i just feel like there's other assets i could be going towards at this point in time um but yeah i think the arsenal defense is a no-go the attacking fdr isn't great but it's not behind many teams from 9 to 12 um you got man city at 10.7 you've got fulham at 6.2 you've got leicester at 4.4 and then you have Arsenal at 2.9. So this is what I was saying about Jesus earlier. Like, I don't think these games at home are, like, bad. Like, they're pretty good. Um, and then it gets very good again when you go to the future weeks, 13 to 16 before World Cup. So 4.9 attack for Arsenal there. Man City are the constant here, though. So they have 10.7 for attack in 9 to 12, 13.6 for attack, 13 to 16. So definitely think uh, we're not going to be getting out of that Holland perma cap uh, world anytime soon unless he blanks in game week 12 from the arsenal game being postponed that that's pretty much the only week um in terms of spurs they're also looking very good uh after the 9 to 12 period so 7.6 for attack 8.6 for defense but actually during this spell they're 2.2 and 2.2 for attack and defense from 9 to 12 so it's okay but it's nothing to write home about which is what i was saying about I think City for the long term with KDB, Sun for just this week with the 3.7. Um, that was kind of my thoughts on them long term. Is there anyone here that you want to pick out? I guess Fulham is a big one, right? Like 6.2 for attack. Like, yeah, that's wild. That's the second best attack in game week 9 to 12. It's a, yeah, it's the second best attack, attacking fixtures. So the, the best attacking fixtures in 9 to 12 are for the, the best forward in the game Holland and the second best attacking fixture is 9 to 12 for the second best forward in the game Mitrovic and that's why I think those those two spots have to be nailed it's just where you're going to go with that third forward spot if you want to do Isak if you want to keep Jesus if you want to go cheap to Solanke um you know that's that's going to be up to each manager but one thing that that's really standing out to me here Nima is um Newcastle defense that we were talking about look is that a minus 4.2 from 9 to 12? Yeah, well, the Newcastle defense. Yeah, yeah I, I do think that some of this is using um, previous season's data as well, right? Probably. It's probably overweighing it a bit, I think. And the fact that, you know, Newcastle have, um, they, they've put, you know, they had Man City in that game. They've had kind of like some high scoring games like that that have just, the, the the game state has just kind of turned into a shootout kind of game. So I think on the Newcastle front, I think the stats are a little bit misleading. So I, I wouldn't go by that minus four point two. Um I have uh I have every confidence in in 
the, the Newcastle defense and especially even even the double up where I, I wouldn't put too much stock into that one. I think the um, Leicester attack at 4.4, third best attack from 9 to 12. Um, obviously, dispelling the Tottenham tie they have at a minus 2.2 this week. Madison does look great um, in the kind of spell there. So that's something I'm excited by. Crystal Palace as well. Um, there's someone who we're excited by. Something just worth noting as well. So I've seen a bit of commentary to Gravy Dave's point as well um, about this Spurs game. And um, this is kind of FPL Sonaldo's words, guys. World exclusive, you know, Sun's number one fanboy. Mm. Perisic has ruined Sun. Perisic has been fucking shit all season. Holds the ball way too long and makes awful passes. Spurs are a fucking shit show, fuck Conte. And that's Sun's number one fanboy talking about Perisic and Sun. So I just thought I'd put that out there as, as someone who probably watches Spurs a lot more than me. You can't call him biased because he's not a gooner like me. Well, here's what he's, he's a, he, like you said, he's a Sun fanboy, right? So he's looking to blame another player for yeah, Sun underperformance. <laughs> so I'm going to call, I will call Andy up for that one because Sun, I'm going to agree with Dave. Son has been shit this year, like full stop. There's, there's no, Perisic hasn't been, I, I, first of all, I disagree. Perisic has been shit. <laughs> I think Perisic has been decent. He's just been a shit FPL asset. Son has been a shit FPL asset and a shit player this week. That's why Richard, he was the first one Richarlison replaced. It when was Sun trying to win but, the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was Sun to be benched. It wasn't, it wasn't anybody else. That being said, Son has, I, I didn't see today's game, so Gravy Dave is saying anybody who brings Sun in has not watched the game today. He looked awful, and he has looked awful this in, this season. But what I will say is the past couple of games, he's been getting closer to goal. He's been missing kind of open chances, but you figure like that form can turn on a dime, and, and that's kind of like what, what I was going for. You know, hearing Gravy Dave's comments, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch that game and kind of like make a determination. Reassess. Yeah, Reassess. the idea is if you're going to wildcard in game week nine, that, that home fixture against Leicester, it just feels like if Sun is going to break his duck with scoring, that must be the game. Um, equally, he has been very poor. So I, I don't think anyone is buying uh, Sun um, because they think he's been good, Gravy Dave. Like, Mm-hmm. I think it's a straight up punt, like shot in the dark, like, you know, a clock is right, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you you get him and you fucking hope that, you know, Salah doesn't play. So you get him and you just hope um, and it might pay off. It might not. So I think it's very much a punt. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone buying Sun is looking to keep him long term, which is why I kind of said Kane would be my preferred pick if I could get there mm-hmm. for a longer term hold. Um, but yeah, like if I bought Sun this week, some people are talking about captain again. No freaking way! Like just, just if he gets points, like take them and run and wildcard him out. But yeah, that's just my two cents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the main stuff here. Let's um keep going. Um, headed matchups. Um, we see here that actually Newcastle are eleven through the center between nine to twelve. So that could be good for Isaac. Um, you got Fulham at ten. That could be He's, great as well for Mitchell. So Isaac's not much of an aerial threat. Um, okay. and, and Isaac's weakness, I guess you would say, coming um, up in Real Sociedad was was always his finishing. He'll he'll put in some he'll bang in some screamers off off the like the top netting, which which look amazing, like he did a couple of weeks ago. And he'll he'll miss a lot as well. So 
Isak, I, I love the player. I think he's fantastic, super smart, really hard worker. Uh, his finishing needs some work, but you know, again, that, a good form could could bring that around. And for the headed matchups, you know, headed matchups are so difficult to predict. Definitely take them with a grain of salt and see, you know, like a good headed matchup on a team that for a team that heads a lot or something like that, or a team that gives up against a team that gives up set pieces. I think is something to look for. You want to combine this stat with other stats to to make any kind of conclusion. yeah. Of course, this should be like a qualifier amongst yeah data points that are a lot more uh, long term and accurate than this. But um, it is interesting that Tony is here as well for Brentford, um, ten point seven in the long term. So despite this kind of more difficult fixture this week, mm. he does look okay. So Andy Mack has him, and I'm expecting him to get some more points in the long run. Um, so check out eleven point three. By yeah. the way. Diego Costa, 5.5 million. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's just, it's just made for him, right? 5.5 million. I mean, I don't know what's, if, if he's going to be your third forward, I, I certainly won't go there, but if you do go there, please give us a shout on Twitter because we want to, I want to cheer for Diego I'm Costa. Looking at their attacking FDR. So from gaming nine to 12, 2.1, it's not. Oh, no, that's their defense. Minus 0.6. They're not great attacking-wise, just heading-wise. Um, yeah, I think we can forget about those guys. Um, yeah. Zonals, um, anything here you want to call out apart from what I said earlier? I don't know. There's some people maybe weren't here at the start of the show, but, you know, Jesus is five this week. It's the best uh, zonal matchup of the game week. And between 9 to 12, he's 16.5. Between 13 to 16, is 16.5. He's got the best central he's got the best zone till world cup yeah yeah long term and, and that's why i think my perspective on jesus hasn't changed he's he's a premium asset and he's 8.1 million so i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep that kind of value but no I, I don't know if anything really stands out here you know some stand out for some lesser teams i will say nine to twelve once once Braj gets fired lester have good players <laughs> <laughs> he's been well overdue hasn't he um, oh several several years overdue i don't know what's going on but uh, leicester has some good players and if they can get a a competent manager in there um then then i think that that central matchup for leicester could be interesting especially if they play a front two kind of a daca and ianacho playing close together i think that would be really exciting um and then just newcastle's uh, matchups going forward kind of from on across the board look good except that you know they drop a little bit on the right 13 to 16 so a Newcastle attacker um, could be interesting if you if you did want to go for Isak or, or St. Max if you as your fourth midfielder yeah no, no I agree with all of that I'm just laughing at Gravy Dave's comment about the blind faith <laughs> yeah no it is definitely like blind faith it's like just pure prayers at this stage there's nothing to go on apart from previous years of world-class finishing um his xg's been catching up to him clearly but um I, i'm probably gonna go for de bruyne because i will not be wildcarding till like game week 12 or 13 so i will not be going for sun as my salary replacement this week that that's for certain um just looking at what we have coming up next i want to make sure if it's the captaincy i don't accidentally yeah it was thank god i removed it off the screen <laughs> so um i almost ruined the captaincy metric so i'll just play the I'm actually going to play uh, the Nick Gray rant just to give us a break for some water for one minute. But um, so this was when uh, Nick Triggerlips um, came on the show and we were live during a game week and everyone on Twitter was buying uh, Demerari Gray and he was scoring every week somehow. And um, 
he scored while we were live on the stream. And now Nick is a very good manager. He's a chess extraordinaire. I think back in 2015 to 2018, in fact, he actually had three seasons where he finished like in the top 200 in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any FPL managers ever achieved that. It was like 50th, 70th and 150th or something. <laughs> like, he, like, I don't know how that's even possible, but he did it. And let's just say, keep a lookout for when he picks up his water, bet- a water bottle, sorry. And um, just look, look at the pain and look at our old friend Hibbo's reaction. So enjoy this uh, little clip from last year's uh, guest episode with uh, Trigger Lips. Uh, if you've never seen it before, I'm sure you'll feel the pain as an FPL manager. And he's getting his goals and assists to go. Oh, three one. Hold oh, up. Don't know this is getting the fucking annoying. I, I, think it's, dry. I think it's the Corey. Again? No, no Corey scored. So I've got him in oh, sky. Fuck okay. off. <laughs> oh, no. That's going to damage my FPL rank, though. You're right. Oh, Whatever score. happens, it's so sad when our FPL is more important than fan team. That's Can't devastating. Next on top. LiveFPL.net is going to crash. Let's have a look. Oh, wow. The average and the safety score have gone way up. <laughs> having DCL out and then having that prick grey score, it's just like... <laughs> it's ruined my fucking day, though. <laughs> you know, you get... It's ten, ruined my all, day, too, to be fair. All, all 10 midfielders blank, don't they? And you just know that fucking grey is going to come along and fuck up your grain week, game week. On a Monday <laughs> Except all the pricks on Twitter have all got him. That's the only people you were... 99% of people posting on Twitter tonight will have him. All, all the, the wild rest, card is all the rest will have turned off. Or Game Week 4, is it? Yeah, all the Game Week 4 wildcarders have him. All, all the ones that just got grey because everyone else was and like he's got a goal the week before. You know, the depth of their analysis. And, oh, it's rough. And then he got him because it's the only one they could afford to get because they were getting Ronaldo, you know. Do you know who the next one is, though? Gallagher. So I always say, if you look at the... Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he, he genuinely looked like a serial killer sipping that water about to go in. <laughs> I, love when, I love when you go, oh, wow, the safety score on live FPL went way up and his, his lips get tight and he's like, it's like cursing under his breath. It's so good. <laughs> Those pricks on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So let's go into the Catsy metric. Um, what everyone's here for, um, the main main part of the show. So let me play the little jingle. Paulinho. Pa- Paulinho so, scored. Not getting Paulinho goal. Two 0 Sporting. Oh, is it two now? Yep. Uh, 90th and 93rd minutes. Well, one less competition for Spurs, maybe. Damn. What have I done? I put Perisic in my uh, fucking UCL team. Looks like I'm you the one cursing. Yeah, but what have you done? Exactly. We've been talking. We've been. I've been trashing Perisic for a month and a half, and you put him in your UCL team. I could have brought in... I was going to get Gosens from Inter, and they kept the clean sheet. At least I have Dumfries, so I got one clean sheet, but would have been nice to have both. But oh well, you live and you learn. Live and learn. So let's put the metric up. Um, so there there's a tie at the top of the metric, isn't there? So we've got both Kane and Haaland on 90 each. De Bruyne just behind on 85. Cancelo 83. Foden 81. 
Kulusevsky 77. Son has made his way in here despite his two for hauling. So that is like probably one of the worst haul percentages you could find in the last six. Um, mm-hmm. But he's still up there. And the likes of kind of Jesus, Mitrovic, Izak, they're all pretty close, 63, 61, 59. Um, I'm not going to talk about Mares because Mariner might kick us off the show if we mention him. But, um, <laughs> so what are your thoughts here? Because obviously Holland's came, uh, uh, haul percentage sorry, is like the best. It's obviously 100. So the way it's done is like he's the 100th percentile, so he's number one ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, after him, you actually have Cancelo at 94. You have um, Tony at 96 as well for haul percentage in the last six um kane is only on 67 for hall percentage but he is up there like so this is this is where the fixture is pushing him all the way up there well the yeah the fdr um the 100th percentile fdr of course against leicester but i think here's here's where i would um like this like we always say right this is this is net that hall not net that return um and and Holland is is the hauler right and then if you look at well what's what's making Kane look so similar to to Holland and I would say it's the zonal matchup Kane with a 63 percentile zonal matchup and Holland only with a 35 but I would say that doesn't really matter uh certainly not for a player like like Holland um and the zonal matchups are small chances anyway they're they're based on small chances so it's a it's it's a bit of an inferior kind of metric there and i don't think it should be pulling kane level with holland i think um if we were to take the zonal matchup out and and say that um that that there's no center back that's going to kind of win the zonal battle against holland if we just accept that and we take that zonal matchup out i think holland tops kane by a significant amount and i think he's the obvious captain this week yeah no i I, i'm on holland captain um holland yeah Mr. Hall himself. Um, I, I just can't look past him at this point. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm really up for getting De Bruyne, just because we're at the point now where there was a week recently where Holland's EO was like 180%. He's reached that kind of Salah territory of like, you don't really gain anything from captaining him. Mm. Like everyone is captaining him. So with that kind of appealing FDR in the long term for the attack for um, City... I am very keen on getting another City attacker and I just trust De Bruyne more than the other options right now. I know Gundogan was a bit of a hot option for a few weeks, but I just think with Salah out of my team, like why not go all the way for De Bruyne? So I think something I would say for everyone here is like, obviously you can only captain one of these picks, but they're all great picks for this week. So I normally use the captaincy metric selection as like a qualifier of the transfers I'm going to make. So bringing in someone like Mitrovic for Archer that, that's pretty appealing seeing him making it sneaking into the captaincy metric on 59 um bringing in De Bruyne for someone who doesn't play that that's very appealing um so so I definitely think um have a look at these and if you're on wildcard I'll be looking to have quite a few of them hmm. you know it's it's interesting Lo- looking at this and you know reading Davy Graves Gravy Dave's um comments about Sun's performance today is Salah to De Bruyne just the better move? It's almost like is Son just overthinking it because we think Leicester's really bad? Yeah, is it? I wonder. It might be. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> De Bruyne's looking very good. Let's see how he does tomorrow. I don't think they're going to yeah. lose two 0 That's for sure. Yeah, hmm. that's an interesting thought. Um, just yeah, the data. I mean, it, it makes sense. The data is not is not favoring Son. Hmm. 
something to think about. So Sankar asks, what if we edit and put 90 minutes for Isaac? So obviously for his minutes, he's only on two percentile. He would probably shoot quite high up against Bournemouth with that kind of um, 90 FDR percentile if the minutes were adjusted. I think he'd probably overtake most of the Spurs guys apart from Kane. I wonder. I think, you know, looking at... Um, I, think he'd, I think he'd probably still be below Tony. Okay. Just, just I, th I think the only thing really holding Tony back again is the zonal matchup as well. Um, we'll, we'll I'll have a talk with Mariner, see if he'd be willing to maybe weight it so it doesn't influence it so much. Because I think Tony, Tony could be should be higher than than Kulusevsky and, and players like that. So um, that's an interesting shout though. How how high Isak would be? And I think and Tony is zonal as well. That's really hurting him. I think it's hurting him exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that Mitrovic, his FDR is so low. Yeah, so that's what something we saw, and I think again, like I think this fixture is quite good for them. So yeah, in reality, like so he should shoot up there. as well. Just worth commenting. So Podner talks about if Wilson plays twenty-seven minutes and Isaac plays two, plays zero. So, so ju just to clarify, like these are not uh, minutes; um, these are percentiles. So oh, yeah. <laughs> a hundred, a hundred would just mean that you are um, like top of the class. Yeah, you're number one ranked, um, which is why you see in the FDR there's like 195, 80. Yeah, it's, it's percentile. percentile. Yeah, so, so it's just saying that Wilson's percentile is high for minutes, but um, is, is that minutes a concern for captaincy metric? Yes. So so to answer that question, um, Mariners, he, he doesn't make like special, like he doesn't make exceptions. So the, the numbers have to treat all the players the same way. And it treats the lack of minutes for Isak as rotation. Now, this is where we need to come in as managers and add context to to all the metrics, to all the all the numbers. And and yes, that's that's definitely the the minutes is dragging Isak down. And it maybe it shouldn't because he he's obviously nailed. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's go to some of the questions we got from the Discord server from the haulers. Um, so we've got Greenback Golfer asking. Given the fact that double game week players can easily let you down, and we have what feels like an extra wild card with the mid season World Cup, is a low ownership free hit worth a punt this week to try and gain on the field? I say no. I, I don't yeah, think no, I say no. Yeah, like although like you may feel that like the free hit in a double game week could go badly because like maybe they don't play both. I just still feel like we've seen from last year, especially with the way that went down, that having a free hit around those blanks and doubles. It doesn't have to be played in a double. In fact, it might be better to play it in a blank. There will be another blank where there's going to be more than three matches blanked. I think if there was the Arsenal game had been off, maybe, but I'm not convinced that a free hit would necessarily with filled with differentials outscore a wild card this week. And then you're mm. going to end up back with the players that you probably wanted to sell. And those who wildcarded or use free hits, uh, sorry, use transfers and hits. They've got rid of the players you still then have next week. So you're still going to just be one transfer behind selling them. So I don't think so, just because I think th there's potential huge gains from it later on. And we don't know what else is going to happen this season. Um, it's just a nice one to have in your back pocket, I think. And this isn't the blank game week. I would personally use it. So um, yeah, Planet, Planet FPL, James, he was he he mentioned that there, there could be twice in the season where we have a... Um, uh, a big blank game week followed by a big uh, double game week 
back to back and navigating those two if it happens twice could be quite difficult and doing that with one without that that free hit i think um could be could become quite tricky so so i think it's too early for that free hit yeah like i suppose if you've like let's say you wild card into a bench boost team and then the week after that double like you have four players that play yeah it's a blank and i want the free hit just and, and i wouldn't look at the free hit in isolation i always like to look at the second wild card the bench boost and the free hit together yes what they can achieve together because the team you can put out in that double and that you're going to wild card into two bench boost potentially is going to look very different if you don't have the free hit to use yeah that, I think that, that's a great point right now a free hit right now would be basically taking a ripping a piece of that structure from your season out and inserting it by itself into this lone game week and and there's you lose too much in doing that. Yeah, I think last season we got the second free hit, so it made it easier for people to like save it and then yeah. use it later. I don't think we're going to get another one. So with just the one free hit to go, um, I'd be heavily tying that to my second half of the season chip strategy. Um, the Vindra Raj asks, I did Jesus to Mitro before the price rise. I have one free transfer left. I have eight players playing. Should I wildcard or should I minus eight to get 11 players? So De Bruyne, Son, Gordon for Salah, Diaz, Gross or, or Wildcard. And his eight, by the way, include Ward, Neko and Andreas. So it's like eight players with Ward, Neko, Andreas mm. and then a minus eight from there to get KDB, Son and Gordon for Salah, Diaz and Gross. I think you're level. getting very close to the Wildcard territory here. I, I don't know. Just do a minus four and play with ten. So the minus four to play with 10 would be, he's saying, KDB and Perisic in for Diaz and Trent. KDB. KDB part, I'm yeah. not sure on the Perisic part. Yeah, KDB and somebody else in for... I assume he already has Trippier. If he doesn't, then I think that's an easy minus four um, yeah. to get KDB and Trippier. But let us know who you have. Don Black Dragon, second to last question. Thoughts on West Ham and Everton defence? Both have a good run of fixtures till game week 16. Any good picks from them? So I would say go back to the FDR section of the show and the timestamp. But um, you did say Everton are better than we perhaps think they are, but discredited them because of last season. And then equally, I think West Ham, especially on the data side, on the analytics models, you know, Sufal's right up there. And if you can't afford him, Emerson's a great alternative if you're not worried about Cresswell. So I think for me personally, I'd be going for the West Ham boys over Everton. I would not go for both. That is definitely certain. Right. But if it's like a final punt position in your defense, I really like one of Sufalo Emerson personally out of those two teams. I think I think I would rate if, if you're talking about the the budget defenders, the four million guys. I would rate them as long as and it's it's a little bit of wait and see to see if West Ham stay in the back in that back five. If they stay in the back five, then Emerson's a, the best pick. But I would put Patterson as the second best, even uh, above uh, Nico Williams, because I think that they will have a, a better defense than Forrest, especially at home. You can play Patterson at home in a decent matchup, and no, you won't get negative points. I guess. Yeah, and then the final question from Nehal, which of these options is better? So he's got, well, one of them includes doing Salah to Sterling, but benching Sterling for the great fixture run to come later. Archer to Kane, Sanchez to Pope. So he'd get Pope and Kane this week for Archer and Sanchez, which are both great upgrades. But then I guess he's taking a hit on Salah to Sterling, but he's going to need that money from that move to do the other two that play. Right. So that's one of them. Um, he has two free transfers and he'd wildcard in game week 12. The alternative, though, is to do 
get three players who play this week. So rather than Sterling, get Salah to Paqueta from West Ham, Archer to Mitrovic instead of Kane, and then Sanchez to Pope still. So I think the Sanchez to Pope move on both is great. Um, the debate then comes to kind of Mitrovic and Paqueta, and you get 11 out, or Kane and Sterling, but bench Sterling. I just think it's wild to get Sterling and bench him personally. It's like, it's just a week too early for me, but he kind of wants to get rid of Salah, clearly. Wait, so it's Mitrovic and and who was the midfielder that came with Mitrovic? Mitrovic? And Paqueta, six million um, versus Kane and Sterling, but bench. Wait, wait, so it's one one version has basically two premiums and the other version yeah. has a bunch of money in the bank? <laughs> but the one with the two premiums bench is one of them. Yeah, that's... I don't it know. It's, it's, like, it's a, it doesn't seem balanced. I don't know. I don't know how to advise. So I think what we would recommend is move that screenshot into the RMT channel on Discord from the YouTube questions and then throughout the week we'll get some more info out of you about how you're funding this because yeah i prefer st- i prefer mitrovic to kane i'll tell i'll say that for the long for the long term for maybe the long not for this not, maybe not, not for the wild card till game week 12 either at least so i think mitrovic is the one i'd be going for yes but then it's kind of like salah to paqueta like how much money do you have in the bank like how much higher up than Paqueta can you get? Because go Salah to Son and then go Son to Sterling next game week, just to get the one fixture. Yeah, even, like even De Bruyne maybe. But oh, I can see he's a bit stuffed. He has Gundogan, so he's already got Triple City. So he, right. so it would have to be Son and Sterling. Yeah. Is, and if you know United was playing, maybe Bruno. But like he's run out of options at that price yeah. point with the games cancelled. Okay, cool. All right, but yeah, let us know in the drop it in the RMT and tell us how much money you have in the bank. Um, in this kind of Archer to Mitrovic draft. I think we both prefer option two. But um, yeah, great. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It's been a great episode. I think there was one question about United. Yes, yes. So I did star that for later. Yeah, let's look at some of the ones in the chat. So I think that was the main one. Um, Yeah, because obviously they weren't on any of the FTRs with the blank in mind. Um, Rashford was a hot transfer in for his double price rise without kicking the ball. But um. I, I, I don't mind United. Ten Hag looks like a great coach. Um, I'm just not convinced that that's where I'm going now when you've got the likes of Zaha, Madison, Bowen all available. And there's just so many great midfield options. And like, are you going to get Anthony or Rashford or Sancho ahead of them? I, I wouldn't. Um, I think yet. Anthony and, or, or, or Sancho could be good options, but I agree with you, not yet. I, I mean, we, I'd, I'd like to see... I'd like to see what Bruno does. I'd like to understand exactly what his role is going to be so far. It's just been kind of like provider. He's not near the goals at all, but is that going to change? Are Anthony and, and Sancho going to be too wide to be involved in the attack? I'm not not really sure. Will Anthony get found out with all the dribbling that he does? I, I think they're, we're a few weeks out from assessing Manchester United. But what I will say is, I said preseason as well, that I prefer Sancho on the left-hand side because I think he combines better with Malasia. Um, he's playing on the left-hand side now because Anthony's in on the right-hand side, and I think that setup is bringing the best. We'll bring the best out of Malasia, and is bringing the best out of Diego Dalo. Um, and so That's I think the one he, I wanted to talk about, Diego Dalo. I think his stats have been like pretty much up there as like the best from all the defenders this season so far. Yeah, with, with Anthony playing so wide, Anthony likes to receive the ball wide and kind of dribble diagonally towards the near post, but that's opening up the half space 
for Diego Dalo, and he's stepping into that and, and doing quite well, which brings us to this question by Shaz B. Any standout four or five million or less defenders? And I think Dalo could be a, an interesting one long-term. And and the other one for me, uh, we are, we've already spoken about the four million ones, but the other one we spoke about earlier is uh, Fofana. So I would say Dalo, Fofana, and um, and the the three four point maybe yeah, Emerson, yeah. Patson, um, Neko potentially yeah. So just this comment from Dread and many others, I'm sure. Um, let's see if <laughs> this is the weekend that Perisic absolutely falls, and I'm I'm not sure it will be after Spurs is showing tonight. Um, I'm so excited. If Ward plays, I'm so excited for my Ward penalty save or clean sheet, like against all the odds while everyone went and got Pope. So I am so excited for Ward to match him on points. You can clip this. You can come back. I think that's an even bolder claim than you about Perisic. Like me claiming a Ward points return is it's, pretty up there in terms it's, of audacity. You, 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 you would say up there. I'd say out there. I think that, that that's... <laughs> And then I could just see Walsh from FMLFPL being right and Everson starting. Uh, and then that would just be the, the kicker. Well, that zero everybody... points would be a great return compared to the minus two that might be coming otherwise. <laughs> exactly. That's a bonus. So Sankar, just the last one before we get out of here. So he's going to wildcard now, potentially booking in a KDB out in 12 when they blank and getting Trent and Sadler back in 13. That's So he's basically saying he's on wildcard, but he feels like he's already booking four transfers in in the future. Mm. Um so with that in mind, does Sun or Kane make more sense than KDB? Because that'll be one less transfer in, say, game week 12 when City could blank. I wouldn't think so. I would still be going for KDB with those fixtures. Um, I would not worry so much. Like KDB back to Salah, you could just do that in game week 12 if City blank. Like, that's fine. Um, yeah. I know you don't want to pre-book too many transfers, but your wildcard team should generally probably be in a good place for the next five, six, seven weeks. Um unless you get very unlucky with some injuries and stuff and suspensions, I think that premium hopping strategy down the line is fine. Um, from what we've seen of Sun so far this season, I would not be wildcarding him in on a long-term pick. I'd pick him this week to wildcard him out next week, sure, but I would not be bringing Sun in on a wildcard. Kane, he's obviously on the screen right now. That one I could just about condone, like fair play, like, yeah. but that's going to be like, more moves for you to get Salah back. So, like, that that's not very different, is it? Like, getting Kane instead of KDB doesn't really help you with the minimising future transfers. So, I just think go for the one you actually think is going to get the most points. And for me, with the fixtures coming, it's De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. And he also asks, thoughts on Gordon in my wildcard. So, obviously, Everton looking better than many think, and they got okay fixtures. Um, I think Gordon's 5.5, though. And yeah, at that price point... I've not seen enough from them yet to be looking to go that way. Um, they, they brought in Dennis as well, who obviously can play striker, so there's no guarantee Gordon plays that kind of false nine role. Maybe that's better for him to play as a winger, but either way, I told you, I saw the highlights reel from Gordon last year, and all four of the goals he scored were deflected, so it's like, I, I just don't think that's like a sustainable up. Like, I have no doubt he's a great young player with lots of promise and talent and he's a tricky winger and he's great at getting into the final third, but he's not a player I would have won. Um, I, th- I think that 5-5 five, five mid, five, five mid spot is, is just too... I think you can just spend that money better elsewhere in, in defence, bring a 4-5 defender up to a 5-5 five, five defender and then go with uh, with you know Leon Bailey and Andreas Pereira. Yeah, so like I was, yeah, like Leon Bailey, for instance, as you say, I would much rather 
go for him at 4.7 than Gordon yeah. at 5.5 personally. Um, so thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, Comb has tuned in as well late, but glad you made it. We will see everyone after the international break. We'll see if we can do some kind of special during the break, but if not, we will be back before game week nine for the October 1st. Big day, North London derby. I'll be going to that game at the Emirates. I'm very excited. Um, my first North London derby at the Emirates. It's impossible to get tickets for that game normally, but I actually won them through a mini league last year. So I was given <laughs> one Premier League game of my choice and I picked the one that I know is impossible for me to get as a red member. Um, Are you going along? No, so I have a pair of tickets. And what's wild, yeah. Gabe, is I'm actually on the West Stand on the side behind the bench. And mm. I'm in the lower tier, like really close to the bench, which I'm quite excited by. But not just that, I saw the price of the tickets and um, the screenshot was forwarded to me, let's just say, from the person who books them. I don't think money's a problem for these guys, but when I saw something along, you know, four digits for two tickets, I was like, <laughs> I'm glad I picked this fixture. It was like 16 to 1800 for two tickets. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I've done well for myself here. That's a uh-huh. nice mini league prize. <laughs> you know, I'm not looking to pay more than 50 to 100 pounds for any match ticket, regardless of who's playing. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm very happy with that there for a mini league yeah. prize. Uh, and um, I think I've told you before, obviously, the person who gave this award is the owner of a football club. So I don't think they mind so much. Like they, they pay, that's like a percentage of. Are you taking Clayton? He, or jazz. He's already got tickets, so he's just because so, he's got his season ticket. He's got a silver membership as well. He's got so I'm, I'm going to see if Jazz wants to go. But if not, I've got a friend who I've been going to all the games with for years, and I think he would really appreciate this. And mm-hmm. we've both always wanted to go to a North London derby. It's actually that's the first game we watched. We went to the Emirates and watched the game in a pub nearby because we couldn't get tickets to the North London you're, derby. So you're not even going to ask Jazz, are you? You're just going to no, ask. No, I'll, I'll ask her, but. <laughs> I'm not sure that, you know, 12.30 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday is something she wants. Well, that, that's how you're going to ask. You're like, Jazz, there's no way you would want to go to this 12.30 p.m. kickoff. It's, it's going to the game, would you? No, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that by the time we're back for game week nine, you're going to see a huge, fat Gabriel Jesus graphic and Kane. <laughs> Love it. Sparring each other on the net, that whole thumbnail. So, yes. um, honestly, that game is one of the highlights of the year in terms of matches at the Emirates. And I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely wild. Um, and depending on the result, who knows what will happen after? Because it mm-hmm. finishes at two thirty PM, and then you've got the whole day ahead of you in the season. Yeah, whole day. <laughs> cool. It's going to be great fun. Um, but yeah, great to see you as always, Gabe. Um, we obviously missed Mariner today. He's he's, he's away on holidays outside of singapore he came back to the uk and i think he's flying somewhere else today so he will be back as well for game week nine but otherwise everyone good luck in game week eight you know hopefully you get green arrows again um it feels like it's been a long time since premier league football but i know we're all happy for it to be back and enjoy any champions league games tonight especially to our liverpool fans in the chat so see you all soon and If you enjoyed the show, if you found it helpful, please do hit that like to help the channel grow and subscribe if you're new. So see you all after the international break, guys. Take care. Peace out.